too loud. <laughs> now it just caught me off guard. This is the Town Alone Basketball and Hockey Podcast, the number one Ottawa Senators bad boy podcast. I am Adam Hess, and with me, as always, Mike Regan. Mike, how you doing today? Stupid, because I, I really had nothing clever for that. I'm feeling great, though. Baskey, Chapter 2. It's like John Wick. Sabres lost. That was upsetting. Who did they lose Knicks to? Lost, uh, the Flyers on a home-and-home. Home. At least the Knicks lost on the least ugly court last night. That's true. <laughs> I didn't even notice at first... Because I was kind of, I was doing stuff on the computer and watching the game, and I'd even noticed at first that it wasn't just a normal court. But then after you kept sending me pictures of all the ugly courts, I realized, oh, so did oh, we're, we're going to get into it? Never mind. Hey, for those of you who are new to the show, which is uh, definitely hundreds and hundreds of you this week, the way this works is we're going to do forty five minutes on basketball and forty five minutes on hockey. If I'm being a realist. Probably going to do about 50 minutes on each, plus this whole prelude that takes usually about 12 to 13 minutes. So uh, strap in. This week, starting to talk about basketball. Let me hit start on my timer, and we can start talking about it. So first things first, uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about here, but just to keep contemporary uh, and bury the lead a little bit, we got to talk about these in-season tournament courts, man. I don't know at what point. I read a whole story on where these courts came from and how... The NBA wanted you to turn on your TV and immediately know it was an in-season tournament game. And their thought was, all right, we'll have everyone wear the city jerseys. And then someone at NBA headquarters was like, more, bigger. And so they came up with this idea, like three months before the season started, to have unique courts for all 30 teams for their home games during the in-season tournament. They unveiled them yesterday. Starting off with the OKC Golden State game. And fuck, are they ugly, man. It is such an eyesore to watch. Like, it was great timing because we recorded our Town Alone podcast yesterday where I complained about the BYU field. Or what field is that? Is it BYU? Boise State. Boise State field. And then immediately, the first basketball game that night, they're playing on the OKC home court that looks like they're playing in Atlantis. It was assaulting your eyes, levels of blue. Yeah, it was terrible. And like I mentioned, I didn't notice at first, but I guess the, the Knicks were on like this like cream-colored court. But it, at least at first glance, you were like, oh, that's just a normal basketball court. We're good. Um, the rest of them were like, I don't know who in the world. It, it's like you ever see highlights from like some weird Yugoslavian basketball league? And you're like, why the fuck's our court so weird? Why does it look like that? <laughs> That's what it looked like. Yeah. And they had like two or three, they had three red courts going because they had the Blazers, the Heat, and the Bulls. And all three of them, you can't even really see the basketball. It's like brown blending into red. And it's slowly wearing away my corneas. I mean, it was god awful. And they are going to use these for every single in season tournament game bad idea do you want my do you want my slightly related hot take yeah let me hear it all the city edition jerseys suck yeah you were texting me about this yeah How? I, I specifically said it after we wrapped up recording yesterday and you were like just 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 you got like dumb you got like you were perplexed flabbergasted and told me to just save it for the pod none of them they're they all either fall into two categories 
eye assaulting or just boring. Like I don't see one where I'm like, oh, that's cool. The next one's fine, but it's just really boring. It looks like just like another Knicks jersey. Wh- which one of these do you like? Which one are you buying? I like the Pacers. I pulled up a picture of all of them, but they're all kind of small. <laughs> yeah, you, you won't be able to pick it out. It does, it's not like Pacers colors at all. Yeah, and that's the other thing. What? So I guess are these colors like related to have something to do with the city? I mean, they always tell you they do. I don't know how often that's true. Like the it's Minnesota other. one is like lakes. Yeah, <laughs> I do. All right. I'm just becoming a total homer for this team. I don't mind the, the OKC jersey. I don't mind that one. Like it's not offensive. But like San Antonio white with just some orange like lining around it. Oh, that was real clever. Who came up with that? that? That looks like you had Greg Popovich design it. Was definitely the they. I think they were trying to go like old west, but that was definitely a, oh shit, this is due tonight kind of decision on these jerseys. And then, Houston's just as lazy, white with red lining, and it says H Town. Yeah, I love. I loved. I loved a few of those like that. Who's not trying? <laughs> that's not. Is that, is that a thing? If we're trying to make it a thing, it's a dumb thing. H Town. Um. Yeah, while we're while we're kind of dunking on some of these, I also love that the Hornets just did their normal jersey. The Milwaukee jerseys are god awful. First off, they kind of look like Timberwolves jerseys, and also somehow look like shirts you would wear to your like local bowling league, and they're yeah. covered in glitter. Are they sponsored by a strip club? Because Harden would have went there then. Um, I like the Boston ones. I don't know why the Atlanta ones are like the opposite color of the Atlanta jerseys. Uh, I like the Golden State ones. They're they're kind of simple. I don't know. I think that they're for the most part fine. Some of them are terrible, but for the most part, they're just kind of like fine. Cleveland's lame. The <laughs> land. All these nicknames that people are stupid. The Valley. Who cares? I'm just going full negative on this podcast. Rip City. I'm kind of like that. That was they used to be a cool thing. I thought that sounded cool, but now I'm kind of over it. You know which one I do? I will kind of. I think I like it because it's over the top. Might be Utah. Yeah, I like the Jazz. Yeah, the Jazz is kind of cool. Very purple. Has a mountain on it. I pulled nice up I pulled up a power rankings of all 30 jerseys. The Knicks came in last place. Pacers were second to last. What an insane rankings. Yeah, because most of the jerseys, the color scheme is different. Than the actual team, the Knicks were like, "Yeah, we're just gonna like dust off one of our jerseys from the '90s." Who the fuck is that jersey? It just has lines on it. Oh, you talking about the Memphis one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see, it they... says M E M. No, it just it says it. No, it's just a bunch of tallies, and someone did their tallies sideways for some dumb reason. I I have noticed Indianapolis is now. It's it's fine. All right. Well, we got we got more important things to talk about. Um, just real quick. With the in-season tournament, I still feel... God, these Pelicans ones are terrible, too. They look like the the Dallas laser tag jerseys. Um, the Dallas Stars laser tag jerseys, I should say. The I'm still, you know, whatever, trepidatious that this tournament's going to work. I don't know if the players are really going to buy in once the games start to be a little more frivolous. I mean, a lot of these do count as regular season games, but later on in the tournament, they're additional games. And at that point, they're going to play in Las Vegas, and it's going to be for the prize pool. I'll be curious to see if players care at that point. You know, it's money, which is always a good incentive, but also 
These guys are fucking rich as shit, man. They're so rich. Like, Jalen Brown is getting like $36 million this year. Do you think he's going to care about getting like an extra 250000 or whatever to play two extra games? No. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm, I, I don't feel great about it. The other thing I did want to point out is that the NBA was obviously also concerned that the players wouldn't care about the prize pool because coaches have been added to the prize pool. Now the winning coach also gets a bonus, so that makes me a little bit more nervous about it too. Yeah, I don't know how much coaches... I don't know what the bonus is, but I, since some of the games are regular season games, then obviously they don't want to just drop those, just bone them in. But the whole the whole tournament lately has felt like over the last two weeks with it coming up, it's just been almost obnoxiously pushed by the NBA. Like they want this thing to succeed so bad. Yeah, you brought up on Friday the long-ass Vegas commercial they run for this. Mm-hmm. That's With, like, uh, it's like the length of Ocean is Eleven. It's such a long commercial. Yeah, and as Michael Imperioli. And the other thing, like, we really gotta, gotta move on and have more important things to talk about. But the other thing about this is, the NBA is doing this to get more buy-in in the regular season and hopefully bring in new fans to the sport because they can say, oh, I'll watch just this tournament in the middle of the season. And they're hoping that'll hook people in. Everyone I know who doesn't watch basketball, and some people I know who do watch basketball, don't understand this tournament and have been texting me asking me about it. Yeah, because it like goes against the basic understanding of how a basketball season works. Even people don't watch a lot of basketball, they're like, wait, so there's a tournament within the season? And th- this tournament, the games count towards their record? And I don't think anybody who doesn't watch basketball is being like, oh, that and that sounds cool, an in-season tournament. If you don't watch basketball, you're not going to watch basketball no matter what the, the, the kind of game is. The Adam Silver regime loves to make things so much more complicated than they need to be, too. I mean, seriously, it takes, like, a post-grad degree to understand how the NBA salary cap works. And there's so many little unique nuances to it. And even, even if you just talk, like, game to game, what percentage of people do you think sit down on a Tuesday night to watch basketball that understand when something is a penalty, when something isn't a penalty? Like, that understand block versus charge. Or that understand how the timeout system works now that they reduce timeouts in the last two minutes. Or that understands what the bonus means. No one ever explains that stuff either. The NBA is just an unnecessarily complicated league, and that totally bled in to their designing of this tournament. All right, Mike. More importantly, that happened this week on the NFL trade deadline. We got our James Harden trade long in the waits over the summer. James Harden famously upset with Daryl Morey, goes over to China, tells all the Chinese people they should invade America and kill Daryl Morey, comes back, says that he will not play for a Daryl Morey team. He then starts to try to play for a Daryl Morey team. He gets sent home from the airport, told he's going to be traded, gets moved to the Clippers for not a ton. It was James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philip. Petsuev? Pet, pet, Petusev? Trusev? There you go. Sixers get back. Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, the most traded man in NBA history. Nick Batum, KJ Martin, a 2028 unprotected first, two second rounders, and the Thunder's 26 protected first rounder. This bumps up the 76ers salary cap to have 56 or $65 million in expiring contracts. 
Harden goes to the Clippers as an expiring contract as well, by the way. And Harden has now been traded three times in 34 months. Mike, give me your initial thoughts on this trade. For people who don't understand advanced analytics, he's getting traded once a year. <laughs> Under once a year. I don't understand stats. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you read yeah. that like the Mantis Toboggan read? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck this trade. <laughs> this is This is such... I'm just starting to get a little bit over it. This is such a typical NBA circle jerk of a trade. A player gets out of a city he doesn't want to be in for a whole bunch of players and crap that just don't, no offense to this, but it, it, they just, it doesn't matter. As Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, that reads like the, like the poster of, Role players that seem to get traded at every deadline, but really don't make a difference in the end. Like, does that make... Oh, and KJ Martin. Who's, I guess, is young. Gurr. Like, that's his one, the one upside to that situation. Like, this, the, the 76ers didn't get any better, in my opinion. I don't even personally think the Clippers got that much better. I'm going to go ahead and say it. PJ Tucker. Cool. He's still living off that Mil that Milwaukee ring. Like, Go do you, make money. I, the trade ice in general, I think, is just boring. Yeah, it's one of those it's it's one of those unique NBA trades that doesn't exist in any, any other sport where they traded a player just for asset accumulation, right? Like if you just use whiteout over all the names and replace them each with expiring contract, this trade would make a lot more sense for what it feels like. And if you put whiteout over PJ Tucker and wrote contract match. It, that's I mean that's what it was right, and then they get this accumulation of picks that Daryl Morey's never gonna make. He's like he he's not gonna make those twenty eight unprotected first right. The, he's gonna add protections to it and flip it to Toronto as part of a deal for Pascal Siakam in January right, or he's gonna put protections on it and flip it to Miami, who then flips it to the Mavs. And somehow ends up with, like, Rui Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell on Philly, right? Like, it, that's just... This trade was, we have to get James Harden out of the building, and it's the NBA, so we're just going to accumulate assets to use in future trades. It's trades begetting trades begetting trades begetting trades. I mean, even in this trade alone, one of the second rounders wasn't the Clippers. Then the Thunder's first rounder, they had to change the protection on a different pick that was going to the Thunder so that the Thunder would free up this 26 protected first to be allowed to be traded to the 76ers. There's too much shit going on sometimes. Reminds me of playing like NBA or like 2K or like the Chell games. And when you go to like make a trade, everything has like a trade value next to it like a little bar and it's like they put Harden in there and his bar was really full. And then the Clippers just kept like adding things and adding things until the bar got high enough in value that even though nothing that the uh, 76ers got is really worth, I think what James Harden brought to the team, if he was actually happy and wanted to play, the computer is still like, Oh, well the values match. So the 76ers say yes. Congratulations, you now have James Harden. Okay, we've got to, we, instead of complaining about NBA trades, we do kind of have to start talking about James Harden's impact now being on the Clippers.
The Clippers are opening a new stadium next year, and James Harden is on an expiring contract. I bet you we get an extension announcement before too long. And I mean, it's the NBA. No one wants to let someone walk for nothing. But the Clippers would love to be able to put up a poster outside of, I think it's called Intuit Stadium or something along those lines, but outside of their new stadium they're opening that says Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I think that they would love to do that to try to get fans into the building. Uh, That being said, the other thing I love about this trade is that the Clippers' entire plan is, what if we get all of the playoff collapse guys onto one team? It's like they're building the fucking Infinity Gauntlet out there, man. They just need, like, Chris Paul. And they really have just nailed the whole, <laughs> what if every guy on our team can't win in the playoffs? Just got to bring Chris Paul home. Congratulations to the Clippers, by the way, for finally moving out of the basement of their their parents, the, the Lakers, to go get their own, <laughs> their, their own apartment. Um, I, I don't, this doesn't make me want to watch the Clippers anymore. That Maybe that just makes me weird. But I'm not excited about... What is this? Uh, year 16, James Harden. Sounds about right. 16 or 17, James Harden, with a with Russell Westbrook and whatever he is in 2023. And a, I don't know if I should lay this down and just say it, a declining Kawhi Leonard. I'm just going to say it. The board man is nowhere. It's not what the board man used to be every, year after year. Basically since he got to the Clippers every year, his numbers have been like dropping off slowly. And obviously the amount of games he plays has been dropping off slowly. Like he has only played 52 the last two seasons, 57 the year before that. This dude has never played a full season. Did you know this? Really? Not even on San Antonio? No, he's 24. He played 72 and he was 25. He played 74. Those are his two maxes. Yeah. He's never played a full season. And so I have questions about Kawhi. Like in my head, I feel like the most like maybe the player that has the most left in the tank is like Paul George. Yeah, I'm a, I'm like a very quiet Paul George Stan. I will say that I think the idea here is two things, right? First injury insurance, which if that's what Steve Ballmer is primarily thinking then you just traded away two unprotected first, two seconds, and four role players for injury insurance, which is not great. But the other is that now that the NBA is kind of cracking down on load management, I think getting a bunch of guys that can't play a full season and letting them kind of load manage each other might be the move they're going for. Let's just try and justify it. I, I don't know. It, he's a star, right? And basketball is a stars and scrubs league. No one wins a championship by having... It, like, no one's the Seattle Kraken. No one wins in the playoffs by having the whole plane made out of second line, right? You can't win a championship having a team of fourth best guys or third best guys. Even if your team is 10 deep. If your best guy isn't a top 30, top 20 guy, you can't win in the NBA. So there's something to be said about just accumulating guys like that onto your team, right? Like, that improves your chances. But it's, it feels so weird. It's like they, they double down on a strength. You know what Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden can all do? What? They can ball handle and create shots for other players. At first, that sounds great, but you already had three guys, at least, that could do that. And you just added a fourth. Like, it's the law of diminishing returns. 
At a certain point, you're adding more strength to a strength, and it has less of an impact every single time. Yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, not... James Harden even does that fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's added, they added the cook to a kitchen with already too many cooks. I, I don't... I have to look it up. Do you know if their odds shifted a lot? Uh, I didn't write that down. No, I don't know. Yeah, I can look it up while we're talking, but I don't... I just, for some reason, I don't think it should. I just I think the way Harden fits into this team, it doesn't make them much better. Like it's already a constant process throughout the year to figure out how to best utilize Westbrook, or, or I should better say how to get Westbrook to play in a way where he's best utilized, instead of just going hero mode, OKC triple double man Westbrook. And then on top of that, now you have to factor in how you're gonna move James Harden into the mix. I do honestly, like I said, I think honestly on any given night, like if someone said, who do you think of those four guys is going to end up popping off for 35 points and win him a game? I'm saying Paul George at this point in his career. Now, I think in that game, James Harden could also end up with like 12 assists. But from a point scoring standpoint, I think their best player is Paul George, which I can't believe I'm saying that. But like at one point, like I used to be a massive Kawhi stan. I remember like, getting on my knees and praying that before he signed his second contract in San Antonio, the Knicks would somehow steal him away. And obviously it never happened. That was an abrupt end of my thought. <laughs> it was an abrupt end to your thought. I, I do want to point out, I think the Clippers have played pretty well this season. They're, they're only three and two. I mean, it's only five games into the season, but I think that they've flashed and, and been a fun team to watch. I mean, Kawhi Leonard had 38 against the Lakers in a loss. They have Paul George, playing heavy minutes. I mean, that, that loss to the Lakers uh, in overtime, they had like three players in the 40-minute range, which is more than I feel like we were expecting to get out of players like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook. So I do want to say for a second that I think this Clippers team is good and they're going to continue to be good. I don't know if they're in title contention territory, which is where I was on the Clippers a couple of years ago, but I just haven't seen enough from the other pieces around them besides James Harden. And then that's a whole other thing with even James Harden. Uh, did you see these shots that James Harden was taking at Philly on his way out the door? He did like a press conference. I heard something about this, but I didn't see what he actually said. He said, I'm a very, I, I'm very elite as an individual was one of the quotes, which I, I just love. <laughs> he said, I'm not a system player. I am the system. What? Where is Why do you leave Philly and then decide to start dropping all these amazing sound bites? I'm not a system player. I am the system. Is he trying yeah. to get? A, is he, he trying to get a new nickname this late in the game? James the System Harden. Oh uh, yeah, here's the quote. Uh, I'm I'm just not a system player. I am a system. You know what I mean? Are you telling me the 76ers had the process and the system, and they didn't win a title? <laughs> um, before we before we get out of here talking about James Harden, I did want to just bring up that Philly's also been like really good without Harden around. Like Tyrese Maxey has been awesome. He's averaging 27, five and five and shooting 48, 50 and 93. On top of that, he's a much more versatile defender than James Harden. He's not average with made assists, but he can ball handle. He can score. Tobias Harris has been playing well. Everyone always sees the contract and forgets that he's like a good player. Joel Embiid is the reigning MVP. I like this Philly team a lot, especially when they inevitably flip those assets they picked up in this trade for a higher impact player. Harden, he did fit in Philly. 
because as an organization, they too like to fumble the bag in the playoffs. And now he does go to a team full of men who like to fumble the bag, sans the the board man. But sometimes I feel like he's just like, I got my two rings. Why do I care? Uh, man, I'm taking mean shots at Kawhi Leonard today. You I really apologize. are. Just to g- give you an update, the Clippers are plus 1,300 to win the NBA championship. That gives them the fifth best odds. Uh, they are still in the four favorites are still in triple digits. Um, and then to win the Western Conference, they are, I hit the wrong button, they are plus 900. Still behind the Nuggets, Suns, and Warriors. But ahead of the Lakers? Lakers haven't had the hot start to the year I wanted. Yeah, Lakers have had a rough start. Um, I would take all three of those teams easily above the Clippers. Nuggets, Nuggets, Warriors, and who else was it? Mavs? Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. Phoenix. I'd also take, probably take the Mavs about the Clippers right now. It, it's like, like the Clippers were a good team, right? They're, I don't think that their floor has risen at all with Harden, but maybe they're ceiling a little bit. It's just, who, how are we still doing this? How are we still trying to talk ourselves into the Harden title year at this point? He's been dog shit since he was in OKC in the playoffs. The guy doesn't like playing condensed schedules. He doesn't like when people figure out his whole gimmick. He's not getting the calls he used to when he was younger. He doesn't have, like, the stopping ability and tank-like body he used to have. I mean, this guy used to, like, play 82 games every single season. That doesn't happen anymore. Why, I can't believe that we're still kind of trying to talk ourselves into the Clippers' title chances with Harden now. Yeah, well, I mean, when part of your game is, you know, going down the lane throwing yourself into contact to get these calls. As you get older, that just starts to be a little bit too much of a hassle to deal with. <laughs> like, at what point are you going to be 34 and being like, I want to run and I'm going to go and throw myself into this 24-year-old kid to try to get two points? Like, Especially I, I, when you're not getting the whistles anymore. Yeah. Like, I honestly think that's why, yeah, in, in Philly, he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to dish this ball around, rack up the dimes, and kick it over to me to shoot a three every once in a while. All right, we, we probably should move on past the Harden stuff. Uh, we got a couple other things to talk about today. Yeah, like, why Leonard? Why is your laugh so weird? <laughs> I'm not done yet. Hold on. You can't be the board man if the last two years you didn't even average seven boards a game. All right, now I'm done. All right. You don't want to take any shots at the whole bucket bucket thing. Uh, his hands, he's, he's like the opposite of, of uh, Joe Burrow. He's got big hands. Anything? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has normal hands. Who's the small hands guy? That's out of golf. Pickett? Wasn't there? Another, wasn't there? Oh, Kenny Pickett. I don't know why I put my hand up when I said Kenny Pickett. Me and him might have. I have smaller hands. Yeah, I have average hands. Feeling a little self-conscious there, Mike? <laughs> As I said it, I was like, oh, people are going to pick on me. Tiny, tiny hands, Regan. I can't, I can't live with that. That is what we call you behind your back, so that <laughs> makes sense. All right. So next up, if you don't check out the website, I don't even know how you found this podcast, but if you don't check out the website... Be sure to tune in, uh, townalone.com. Every Tuesday, we update the League Pass watchability rankings based off a myriad of metrics, uh, including things like entertaining bins, top 30 player, bonus points that I hand out, pace, one-score games. There's a lot of them. But we update our watchability rankings every Tuesday along with a list of the best upcoming League Pass games and some other notes on the NBA season as a general. But what we're going to do this week with a week of NBA action, a week and some of NBA action in the books. We're going to go through 
the top 10 on my watchabilities rankings. And Mike, I'm going to have you tell me if these are too high or too low. Now, I don't know if you pulled up the webpage for these, but I updated these this morning, so the webpage is not going to be reflective of the current rankings. I did just pull that up, but I guess it's pointless now. Yeah, it is pointless, and you're a fool. Um, I... Yeah, so I, I, I just updated these rankings based off of pace and one-score games earlier today, which are the, the metrics that generally I have to keep, keep speed with. We're going we're gonna to go through the top 10 here. You're going to tell me if every individual team is too low, too high, or just right. Sound like a plan? Every team? Well, the top 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, we'll start off at number 10 here. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, so far, 13th ranked pace, no one score games. According to my metric, they have a general score of 5.39. Mike, 10th overall, Minnesota Timberwolves, too high, too low, just right. Now, tread cautiously, they did just dismantle the Denver Nuggets, proving that Carl Anthony Towns was right. I'll say just right to the typical basketball fan in that they deserve to be top 10. They got Anthony Edwards. If you're a real sicko, like me and you, you're going to be like, yeah, but they also have Nas Reed. They got McLaughlin, fucking slow-mo. Like, this what team is with top you and five. McLaughlin, McLaughlin plays like eight minutes a night, and you are all about him. I don't know. He just does not look like your typical athlete. I don't know. I, I love to watch him cook, though. Nas Reed obviously has always had my heart. So I love the Timberwolves. They'd be a little higher in my personal rankings, but 10 overall, that, that is correct. All right, next up, at number nine, we have the Dallas Mavericks. 26 so far on the season in pace, zero one-score games. According to my metrics, 5.78 overall watchability score. Mike, number nine for the Dallas Mavericks, too high, too low, just right. Pass it to Luca. He's going to juke you. <laughs> There's something we haven't said in a while. RIP that podcast, um, or that podcast feed, I should say. Yeah, dude, just for, put him in the top ten just for that main alone. I mean, I know sometimes he's not the most exciting player with how he plays. You can give him a little bit of that James Harden, prime James Harden label, where it's like, yeah, he's great, but I, I don't, I don't, I'm just going to check the box score and watch the highlights. I don't know if I need to watch this whole game, but he's off to an unbelievable start. 33.8 points a game, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Could he pull off the Westbrook? The funny part is, if he did, because it's been happening so much more, no one would care. But back to the topic at hand, yes, number 9, inside the top 10 is where the Mavs belong. Right. Um, number eight. <laughs> that like you did not agree with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> number eight, Golden State Warriors. 15th overall in pace. One one score game so far on the season, which was last night. And a 5.95 watchability score, according to my rankings. Mike, number eight for the Golden State Warriors. Too high, too low, just right. Uh, probably just right. I'm trying to decide if it's just my personal thing where it's like, yeah, the, the Warriors, we've seen these Warriors for so long. So maybe that kills the watchability a little bit. I, I, it depends. If you tell me ahead of time, Steph's going to go nuclear. Yeah, I'm fucking tuning in to watch that. If not, if it's like one of those like Steph, like, you know, casual is going to go ahead and drop in like, a you know, 23, have some assists, keep it chill, spread the ball around. I don't think they're in the top 10. I'd put them just outside. Number 11. Finished uh, last night on the beautiful blue court of OKC with a contentious layup with two seconds left on the clock. 
where half of the players on the court at some point committed a goaltending. Yeah, I heard there was uh okay, that's what it was because I I didn't see the very end of that game, but I heard my phone blew up and it was like controversial ending in the Warriors game. Yeah, just every every player in the NBA at some point touched the net while the ball was bouncing around trying to go in. Yeah, I just love you know the idea of game 6 in the season, very contra- controversial. How could this affect the title? Well, you know, that, that in-season tournament, you, know, you can't lose any of those games, Mike. All right, number seven on the list, the Los Angeles Clippers. I, I gave them a bonus point for being the 2018 All-Stars. Their pace is 16th in the league. Uh, they have one one-score game. They are currently just barely edge out Golden State, 5.98 on the watchability score. Mike, Los Angeles Clippers at number eight, too high, too, or no, at number seven, too high, too low, just right. What is this? Are you giving them star power bonuses? Because... I don't know how you have a young player like Anthony Edwards in an offense that is at an 11% pace, if I remember your number. And then you're going to put the old men with a 16% pace ahead of them? Multiple spots ahead of them? I can't can't agree with that. Uh, They're 20th ranked, or uh, 16th ranked pace, not 20% or 16%. I don't know why I keep saying 20. Oh, wait, are the 16th ranked? Yeah, 16th, the most, there's the 16th most possessions in the league. Okay, so they're they're in the middle. Yeah. So we're giving out high rankings for people who are average. <laughs> they got two top 30 players. Yeah. Arguably, if you average the two guys, one must-see player. Entertaining bench with Russell Westbrook. And, you know, they have all the best players from 2018. Are you defining entertaining bench as he's either going to, like, you know, have a good game, be like, wow, look at Russ figure out how to how to work in a system where he's not the guy. Are you saying entertaining bench in the form that he could come out, decide to go hero ball and go four for 20? Yeah, exactly. Like when the bench unit comes in on the Clippers game, I'm not going to flip to another channel, right? When the bench unit comes in on the Clippers game, I'm not going to flip over to Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay there and watch and be like, man, Russ might put up 15 in the next six minutes, or he might brick four straight three pointers. I don't know. If I'm not getting Pandemic P, I don't really want to watch the Clippers. I'm a Paul George guy now. Okay? I, didn't, I didn't know we were going to... Is this because he played for OKC? Is that why you're a Paul George guy? Do you just love everyone that's ever played for OKC? I just feel like... Maybe it's because Kawhi and, and PG were like the two big names they brought in. Let's go do this. And then they were like, oh, now let's go get Westbrook. Now let's go get Harden. Like, Paul George might be the third most he's the fourth most recognizable name of those guys but i think he's in there or he's probably possibly has the most gas left in the tank so too high too low or just right for the clippers too high too high (laughs) number six staying in the city uh number six the los angeles lakers 20th ranked in pace uh zero one score games Watchability score of a 6.6, mostly based off of star power for this one. Yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. I'm going to say this is right because they have the greatest player of all time. Anthony Davis. LeBron, I was trying to lay down a hot take and get a debate going. I don't know if you're a big Jordan guy since you live Not in Chicago Jordan now. Guy. I'm a LeBron guy, yeah. yeah. Um, they got Jordan. They got like so many players I like. Just based off my priors alone, I have to go ahead and say this is accurate. Yeah, rough start for Austin Reeves, a rough start for the bench unit in general, but another team where when the bench unit comes in, I'm not flipping channels. 
I think once they turn it on, they're going to be climbing this list. All right, Mike, number five. We're starting to get into the title contender era of this uh, League Pass watchability rankings. The Milwaukee Bucks, 22nd ranked pace, 1-1 score game, 7.16 watchability score. At number five, Milwaukee Bucks, too high, too low, just right. I want to say too high, but that's probably because they just beat the Knicks last night. <laughs> you should put them at 32. No one watched them. Don't buy tickets. Make sure they go bankrupt and out of the league. Now, Giannis, Dolly Dame. They should be in the top 10. At five, I'll, I'll say yes. That's, that is accurate. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll definitely say that I feel this is a little bit too high. I mean, it's like an objective score. Like, I just punch in numbers and the score comes out. I, I, I'm not really influencing this by, like, vibes. But Chris Middleton hasn't been good. The team hasn't been scoring a ton. Their pace is obviously really slow. 22nd ranked in the NBA. I'm not super into watching this Milwaukee team outside of just saying I want to watch Giannis and Dame Lillard. I will say I was... I'm not rooting for anybody to to not have success. But over the offseason, I was like, hey, Chris Middleton, injured, coming off a terrible year. Like, should we be worried about this? All right. This is unprecedented. Mid-conversation, I went ahead and bumped them down a spot. They're now sixth rank. Wow, demoted. <laughs> took, took five minutes, not even, of talk, and you just got bumped down the list, Milwaukee. Okay. Number four, Phoenix Suns. 24th ranked pace. One one-score game. I was trying to remember if I had updated them or not. One one-score game. 7.22 overall watchability score. Mike, at number four, Phoenix Suns, too high, too low, just right. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Give me a second. This one, this one takes a at, They're two and three. All their trades have obviously failed. They're garbage. <laughs> um, no, this is another big star power one. Beal, Booker. Maybe I shouldn't have said Beal. <laughs> you, opened, you opened with Beal. <laughs> I was going alphabetically, okay? Beal, Booker, Durant. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Can I ask a, an uninformed question? No. Because they've played five games so far as a team. Beal's played two. Have they gotten the, that trio on the court together yet for a, for a game? No, because I think Booker has missed the Beal games, and Beal missed the Booker games. Okay, so this is going to be like that first Nets year where they just couldn't get, what was it, Simmons, Durant, and... I or Irving Durant and Harden. Oh yeah. Well, now I'm thinking of the year before Harden showed up. Or no, it uh, wasn't Harden showed up. No, you're right. Um, like just couldn't get all those three together at the same time. Is that what we're headed for in Phoenix? Yeah, except I think all of these guys are either vaccinated or are allowed to play home games if they're not vaccinated. So it's a little different. Okay. I think it's sure. more like the Kucherov year. I think they're just abusing LTIR. They're definitely top 15. If one of the two, if Booker and Durant just those two are in the game Beal or not they're they're top 15 like watch those guys cook all day Durant's still extremely dominant his hairline's not great but that's okay um if all three are in the court put them in the top 10 you have them at five I'm gonna say a little high I have them at three three yeah pretty high a little, a little too high 10 to six for me would be the range I'd like all right Mike getting getting to the bottom here number two uh, I would say a surprisingly low for this team based on where I was preseason. Number two, Denver Nuggets. Eighth ranked pace, which is 
So I should say, I don't think I outlined this earlier, and I, I got stumbled earlier because I was I was thinking about this. Um, that means that they are the eighth slowest team. The pace ranking number one means that you're the slowest team. Number thirty means you're the fastest team. So eighth oh. ranked pace, very slow. Uh, zero one point games. Overall watchability score seven point two four. Mike, how do you feel? Denver Nuggets number two ranked league pass watchability team. So if it's flipped, the lower the number, the, the slower, slower the, the pace, pace. The Clippers are still average. <laughs> yeah, right in the middle. <laughs> right in the middle. Uh, how does how is your mathematics working out here? Their pace is slow. No one point games. Uh, okay. So I have I have three must see players, which is Jokic, That's Murray, right. and then some combination of MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Christian Brown makes up the third guy on any given night. They have two top 30 players. They have a bench that I will not flip off of. Um, they get a bonus point for the Jokic bump. And then they have, you know, a generally slow pace. But the other stuff is really there to make them entertaining on a given night. You know, poor poor Murray. Because he's so good. But the only people who probably give him as much time of, like, as much talk as Doncic are the actual... Denver Nuggets fans <laughs> like there's so many like his playoff run last year was awesome like he's back from his injury he's looking so good but I mean, dude fucking Joker man Joker dude he's yeah Jokic is like a he's like a generational talent and so if you're if you're I almost called him Kyler Murray if you're Jamal Murray mm-hmm. yeah I don't know it's it's double-edged sword right because no one cares about you because you're the second best guy on a team with a generational talent but also, his numbers wouldn't be as good. Like, if, if you put Jamal Murray on Atlanta right now, just say flip him and Trey Young. Jamal Murray is like a high-end Bradley Beal. High? Oh, wow. Like, he's not, he's not a guy that anyone's ever going to be like, that's a future Hall of Famer right there. Right. It's just, sometimes, it's funny, because sometimes... Like he'll put up like thirty points, have a great shooting night, handful of assists, and then people will be like, "Yeah, Luca though he had twenty six, fourteen rebounds, and then ten assists that were all behind the back no look passes." <laughs> so, or, I said Luca again. I meant you, I meant Joker. You did that, you did that twice during this conversation. Is you I called Jokic? You called Jokic oddly, oddly shaped European men who are ridiculous. That they sometimes they just get me confused. I was like, I can't oh wait for God. you to accidentally call one of these guys Zendeo Chara. Zendeno, first of all, and second no, of all, that's the girl from Dune. <laughs> second for the Nuggets, once again, a little high. Come on, bud. What are we doing? Who, who are you putting in your number two spot then, Mike? I don't know. Who, it depends on who your number one is. Number one, Boston Celtics. Bullshit. Where's OKC? Where's OKC in this? Where's Tyrese Halliburton? OKC <laughs> is currently ranked 12th. Okay, okay. Respectable. Indiana's 15th. That is so accurate for Indiana. <laughs> so, like, it's average. That's, that's so perfect. <laughs> but Boston, uh, fifth slowest pace, zero one-point game, still comes out at 7.65 because that team is stacked and fun. I like how your, your league pass rankings are always, like, What's a team that's not going to win a championship, but I still want to watch? And my league pass rankings are 
all right, it's Wednesday. What game do I most want to watch? Yeah. I Well, this is another one where I'm biased on because I hate the Celtics. Any team, really, that is from Boston or the, the New England area. <laughs> I, I have a lot of fan issues why I dislike them. But, no, you're right. Like, the Celtics team is so stupid stacked. I, c- I can't really argue with the number one ranking. I yeah. would have given it to OKC, but... OKC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Drew Holiday, Christoph Porzingis, Derek White. I mean, there's just... There's, like, watchability all throughout the lineup on this team. No Time Lord, though. And they still... They have room. They have room to make another move. They probably will. Somehow. Who? Who's the, the GM? I want to say the guy who's now in Utah, but he does not, he's not there anymore. Um, Danny Ainge. Is that who Danny you're trying Ainge. to say? Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's uh, Brad Stevenson. GM. Oh, that's right. He went from coach and stepped back and went to the front office. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's also... He's very Danny Ainge-like, and he pulls off deals where you're like, how, how is that happening? How is yeah. that team getting even better somehow? Where are those assets coming from? I thought you were out of them. Like, yeah, he's like, the, he's like the Howie Roseman of basketball. Yeah, Ainge, I, I, Ainge deserves some sort of award for just the way he flipped that team so quick from the big three and getting them back into being like a top team in the East. And you heard it here first, young. folks. We're handing out the first ever Don't Pick Up the Phone When He's Calling Award to Danny Ainge. He will come out looking goofy for what you gave up. All right, Mike, any more thoughts on the league pass rankings you want to hit here? You want to know who's in last place right now? The Knicks, maybe? Houston Rockets. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that checks out. No, the last thing I'll say is if you're not reading this article every week, do you even like basketball? Damn, get fucked. Uh, so we have one more segment here. We're going to talk about rookies of the year, the non-Wimby category, but we ran out of time. So that'll happen next week. Oh, okay. That's fine. Just another week for my guy to cook. Who's my guy? Tune in to find out. All right. We're back. Uh, hockey time. We're going to talk about some hockey. Um, got a couple of news stories to clean up here, and then we will talk a little bit more about the actual NHL season as it has happened so far. Can put 45 minutes on the clock and get started here. So, obviously, never, never something fun to talk about, but one of those things that we do have to bring up, um, Adam Johnson unfortunately died uh, during a top league game in England in the past week. He, in a freak accident, had his neck cut by a skate and fell unconscious before they got him into the ambulance and then later passed at the hospital. Um, there is been a, a lot that's come out future impact wise. I think that there's a lot of players who, who suddenly are, are a little bit more afraid of something like this happened. The WHL has already mandated neck guards. Some of the lower leagues look like they're about to mandate neck guards. Mike Sullivan, the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins where Adam Johnson played when he was in the NHL told the media this week that the AHL and ECHL affiliates for Pittsburgh will wear neck guards and the news so far is that the NFLPA and Gary Bettman will talk about mandating it in the NHL after the All-Star break. Why is the NFLPA worried about it? Did I say NFL? Yeah. It, so it looks like there's going to be some lasting impact from this. Uh, you see this sometimes in sports. It's unfortunately a large part of sports like F1, where all the rules and regulation are written in blood. And we might be getting that again with Adam Johnson. You never want to see it happen to where... Someone has to die for there to be common sense changes that happen. 
but it looks like the direction we're going. Mike, uh, any thoughts on what impact this might have on the NHL? <clears throat> yeah, I'll see a sad story. Thoughts and good vibes out to the family of Adam Johnson. I, if you're a Sabres fan, well, an older one, this is a situation you might be slightly familiar with, even though I wasn't born at the time, but there was a goalie, Clint Mar- Malarchuk, who in a 1989 game, this happened to him. Player went down, his leg came up, it sliced his carotid artery and partially sliced his jugular vein. Luckily, they were able to get medical attention to him, get him to the hospital, and he did survive. It, it's one of those things where it's such a freak thing that doesn't happen often. So you don't think that we need to have the protection um, equipment in place to prevent it. But now that it has, I don't think it would be a bad thing. Yeah, neck guards look goofy, fortunately. But and there could be a situation where players would be like, I don't, I can't, I don't feel comfortable with it. I can't, I can't play with this on. Uh, but I do, I don't know how much will affect the NHLPA as mandating it, but I think we'll see more players doing it. If they want to mandate it, I think it will be like when they mandated visors, which became every player entering the league from now on is mandated to wear a visor. And then eventually over the years, it got to the point where like Zidane Chara was the only man left without a visor. Second Zidane Chara mentioned this uh, podcast. Big pod for him. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, you, you don't want to just brush over someone's death as unfortunate as it is, but I think that mm-hmm. the, the kind of lasting impact from this will be something along those lines that because we had a death as a result of this, I think that it's similarly to the grandfather rule previously in 15, 20 years, it'll look weird whenever you see a player not wearing some kind of neck guard protection. Yeah, I actually... Before I saw the deets on this situation, um, not to sound totally out of the loop, I had seen little like headlines and news bites of like so and so team and so and so league come out for warm ups or, you know, with neck guards on or are wearing neck guards. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then I obviously got smartened up on the situation. I was like, ah, that makes sense. But it's the same thing with, unfortunately, with these kind of things, people don't see it coming. So we have to react instead of being proactive it wasn't until players in the nfl with cte started having some pretty sad stories and crazy things happening that the nfl was like yeah we should probably finally stop ignoring this i mean obviously decades ago now but you didn't have to wear a helmet (laughs) and then a couple of players took a puck to the dome and they were like oh this isn't smart we should probably have helmets on not to make light and jokes in the situation but even now I think it's kind of bullshit, but when rookies come out and take that first lap without their helmet, they get fined. Really? Yeah, Bedard got a fine for it. Damn, man. All right. Well, other news to clean up. More happier news. No, just There's a lot lot going on with the Senators. It's hard to get sadder than Guy died. Uh, A lot going on with the Senators. So, first off, Shane Pinto, everyone's favorite bean, takes a massive... 41-game suspension for gambling. Uh, Biz, as everyone knows from the world-famous Spain Chicklets pod, laid it out that, from what he's hearing, basically... Well, I'll, I'll just read his quote. What the allegation is, he was out of state or out of province of where you're legally allowed to gamble, and he had a friend log into his account and place a bet. The bet was not on hockey, and Pinto did not make the bet himself. 
that this is bullshit then. Yeah, caught a 41 game suspension. This is one of those it's Okay, so th- there's there's kind of I'm I'm I have two separate thoughts of this that can both coexist in the same world. These leagues need to stop being more scared of gambling than they are of domestic abuse or <laughs> of these violent crimes that players have committed in the past. I get it. The sport crumbles if the populace thinks that it's rigged. No one will watch hockey anymore if they think that it's just ice pro wrestling, right? If they think that these outcomes are predetermined or that players are doing certain things to meet certain outcomes, it crumbles the nature of the sport. And so that's why these leagues have come down so hard on gambling. But it is such a bad look to have players get suspended for seven, eight games, in in Calvin Ridley's case, an entire season for gambling, and then instead see uh, Deshaun Watson get six games for 22 counts of sexual assault. I was going to basically get rewarded with the biggest contract and most guaranteed money he's ever seen. I I think that is long-term more damaging to these leagues than to be the guy who comes out with the strictest punishment for a player gambling outside of regulations. The second thing I think about this is players do not seem to understand the rules around gambling in their sports. Mm -hmm. We've seen it in football and we've seen it in hockey that players are getting suspensions or fines or all of these negatives that come along with gambling and don't seem to understand what was wrong. And that's on the league. That's not on the player. These leagues need to be better explaining their rules and regulations around gambling before players are getting suspended for four, five, six, seven, all the way up to 41 games for gambling-related incidents. Yeah. So remind me, I have one point to make on something you previously said, but to speak to the gambling part, part of it is on the leagues because I feel like they're not, they have not, like, the NFL, these suspensions are happening and they finally had to sit back, have a conversation and say, okay, these are the guidelines because if you don't put those in place, players don't really know what they can and cannot do until an example gets made out of somebody. This is a bullshit example. Like 40, half a season because he bet he had someone log into his account and place a bet that wasn't on hockey. Like I get saying, Hey, you play in the NHL, no hockey bets. That is absolutely a correct thing. I get them even saying, hey, the optics don't look good if you're on FanDuel when you're inside an arena or a team facility. Also get that. But if this dude wants to put $100 on the San Antonio Spurs to win the NBA title from is somewhere else, let him do it. Yeah, it, it, the argument is that it's against the terms and service of these betting accounts that you can't have people make proxy bets. And the reason they have that is so that players can't have people make proxy bets for them and then throw the game and reap the rewards. But they're, I don't know, man. Maybe FanDuel and, and DraftKings and BetMGM and Caesars should just stay out of people's business unless they're betting on the sport they play. I agree. And the other like, point I wanted to make when you talked about things that are actually damaging to the league, I definitely think the crimes and domestic violence are way more damaging because not only does it not look good, but also now that stuff gets a lot of coverage. News outlets are ready to post the stories and be like, another millionaire athlete is doing something terrible. 
It looks good. It doesn't, sorry, it doesn't look good for those leagues. Did you see, I think it was prior to the kickoff, tip-off for the NBA league, um, where... Charles Barkley? Yeah, Charles Barkley. And Barkley is a very, you know, you got to take the hot, good takes with the bad takes. I, mean, I think prior to this, he had one of his shut up and play takes about players, you know, taking rest days. But after that, when they were talking to Adam Silver, he kind of went after him and asked him, we've had a couple instances recently happen with domestic violence. What are we doing about this? Adam Silver, Adam Silver was getting back down into a corner and Barkley would yeah. not give up on it. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I was like, let's, I, it was, a, I get like, ding, Bleacher Report was like, Barkley sounds off on, on players resting. Just shut up and play. And I was like, oh, Barkley, here we go. And then I get, ding, Charles Barkley goes after Adam Silver over d- domestic abuse in the NBA. I was like, all right, let's go, Barkley. So Shane Pinto suspended 41 games. The other thing that happened with the Senators this week is somehow even more dramatic than a player catching a 41-game suspension. The trial was finally over for the Evgeny Dodonov trade. For those of you who don't remember, in 2021, the Senators traded Evgeny Dodonov to the Golden Knights. Then a year later, in 2022, at the trade deadline, Vegas attempted to trade Evgeny Dodonov to the Anaheim Ducks, at which point, after the trade was already in the league office, after Anaheim and Vegas had agreed to it, the league office pushed back the trade and said, hey, Dodonov has a modified no trade with six teams, and Anaheim is on that. So this, this trade is null and void, which then had major cap implications for Vegas going into the playoffs. So the league started investigating it, came back this week and said, hey, what happened is the Senators didn't tell the Golden Knights about this no trade. In fact, the Senators told the Golden Knights that since Dodonov hadn't submitted the six teams for this no trade list, that it was not a valid no trade. So they could trade Dodonov to the Knights. Then he could submit his modified no trade to the Knights and then they would move on. But since Dodonov had actually already submitted it, he didn't need to resubmit it. It still applied. The Golden Knights just weren't on the list. So as a result of the investigation, the league forces the Senators to either give up their 24, 25, or 26 first round pick. Their choice. I couldn't find anywhere where they had chosen. I couldn't find that information. I'm going to guess they gave up their 26. It just makes more sense to give up the pick as far out as possible. But as a result of this, Pierre Dorian gets fired. So the Sins, in a week, have a player suspended 41 games, lose a first-round draft pick, and fire their GM. Couple Pretty dramatic within, week. Pretty dramatic week, right? Couple the Sin with their hot start has, has fallen apart, and they're now 4-5 and five and in the bottom of their division. But that, that blue line, you know? Chikrin, Shabbat, you know? Yeah, one of those guys should actually be an actual defenseman, though. That would help. Damn, getting old man hockey on me? Telling them not to pass the puck? No, that's not what I'm saying. You want but, them to lay down checks and just go back to the bench, Mike? Is that what you want out of Jacob Chikrin? Yeah, obviously an interesting situation. Uh, because the Donov no longer being on the Senator's payroll is so far in the rear view. This took a while to get sorted out. Um. Also, coming off winning a Stanley Cup with the Knights. I'm making sure I didn't like Mandela myself into that. 
but no, that's right. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those weird situations. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I really, really have too much thoughts on it. Well, it seems like mainly your thoughts are that uh, Jacob Sanderson is actually washed because he doesn't fact check. So, yeah, uh, I mean, this, I, I enjoy all the drama in Ottawa because I don't like them. <laughs> Yeah, Senators were kind of a darling at the start of the season, and that has quickly fallen apart in probably one of the worst possible weeks for them. And we were wrong. I was wrong. I thought Ottawa would sustain more than the Red Wings. Red Wings are currently second in their division behind. How's Buffalo doing that division? We're still getting it together. We got, we're having injury problems. We'll get healthy. We'll get it figured out. Now, are these injury problems worse than having your GM fired and having one of your players suspended 41 games? For me, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's the uh, the major news wrap up for the week. Um, for those people out there playing fancy hockey, just worth noting that Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer are out until at least next week. So, uh, you know, what's up? Jack Hughes got hurt last night. Yeah, that's a big loss for the devs. It is a big loss for the devs. Not a lot of people. Shorten two syllable words down to one syllable. No, I was just thinking I did one of those things where I, I do a nickname for a team that no one does. I do it for players a lot, aka Dan Car- Dan the Carlson Kicking Man. Dan Dan the Carlson Kicking Man, yeah. Dan Dan. Um, all right, so our last segment this week for not just the NHL, but the basket pod as a whole. I'm going to go through some early season good, bad, and uglies, just like the world-famous movie featuring a guy who once talked to an empty chair. So we each have taken a take that really outlines the season so far for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the season. You'll pick it up as you go. It's not that complicated of a concept. Mike, do you have your list in front of you? You ready to get started on this? Yep. All right, I'll start off here. My good so far this season. The Dallas Stars. 7-1-1, 15 points, first in the Central. Rupe Hintz has 11 points in eight games. Old man Joe Pavelski has 10 points. In nine games. Ottinger with a 939 save percentage. Currently leading the field. In Vesna odds. 1.95 goals allowed per game. 6.3 goals saved above expected. They have four players at a point a game pace right now. And Jason Robertson hasn't even gotten cooking yet. Two goals in nine games. Much slower than his pace last season. Sorry, I was pulling something up real quick. Yeah, Stars having a great start to the year. I didn't know with Colorado being revamped and more focused and going into the year, knowing no Landeskog, we got to figure it out without him. I didn't know how this division or how Dallas may fare in the division as far as the gap between one and two, but so far they played amazing. Um, you mentioned Ottinger in the year he's having, and I think he's got so many young stars, sub sub 30 stars. And in the NHL, that's what it really takes, in my opinion, to go out and win these cups um, compared to a certain team. I'm sure one of us will mention later. And they were one of the last undefeated teams in the league. And now, like, it's such a, it's such a weird dichotomy, right? Because they're one of the more fun teams to watch. There's a lot of speed. They have... You know, it, it kind of has the, the best of both worlds. They have guys who are making plays on the offensive end. And then on the defensive end, they have a goalie who's just been absolutely standing on his head for the last three seasons. But it still kind of feels weird that there's a hockey team in Dallas. Is that a weird take in the middle of this? 
Like, every time that I tune in and they're like, the Dallas Stars playing hockey, it'd be like if someone, like, sat down to watch an NFL game and the Winnipeg Rough Riders were playing. It's something that just doesn't sit right with me about hockey below the Mason-Dixon line outside of Florida. It doesn't stand out to me, but I've been in a, I've been a hockey fan longer, so I've acclimated. Marginally. Yeah, so, like... And they also have a Stanley Cup, so I, I, to me, it's like yeah, they're they're an NHL team. They're not one that the, counts though. Well, no, because Brett Hall's foot was in the crease. That game should have went on. That series should have went on another game. So it was bullshit. I like how you're like I, I don't Dallas doesn't register as a hockey team, but you still know how the Sabers got fucked by them. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you know this about being friends with you, Mike, but. I know about how all 31 other teams at some point have fucked the Sabres. They've all fucked us. They're all guilty. They're all on my list. Except for the Avs. I love you. You do love the Avs. I- I've noticed a funny thing about me. As I've gotten older. I started to... Res- Agra or? No. <laughs> I'll go hard right now, okay, bud? <laughs> um, I respect like excellence more like when i was a kid i was all about like yay underdogs i want the underdogs to win now like my favorite my favorite coach in football is nick saban because he's just excellence you when you get older you just respect like dominance more you appreciate it look at your nba league rankings they're full with the actual good teams all right you heard it here first people uh Mike respects excellence and likes to be dominated. All right, Mike, what's your first what I good? Said. I do like Rhea Ripley, though. My first good is, I talked about him last week. I'm just going to talk about him, or last episode. I'm just going to talk about him again. People are going to have to deal with it. It matches my priors. The Las Vegas Golden Knights. One of only, you're saying that, you know, Dallas was one of the last unbeaten teams. And they probably were. But the Knights... I don't know why I'm doing this Donald Trump like hand movements. You always <laughs> um, do that. Yeah. Uh, two teams, the Bruins, well, and the Knights currently still have not been beaten in regulation. They are a perfect 10 0 and 1, playing phenomenal. That line of uh, Barbashev, is it Barbashev? Yeah. Uh, Barbashev, Eichel, and Marchessault is second in the league for expected goals for. Playing great, and my boy, Wild Bill Carlson, is currently leading the team in, in points. Fucking love it. All-around dominant player. But another, probably the biggest thing you have to talk about when you talk about the Knights is the good. It's unfair, the goaltending tandem they have. Like, Logan Thompson has ba- bounced back so good. And they both have, Thompson has a GAA of 2.16. Aiden Hill has a GAA of 2.11. They're... I wrote it down, but now they're both their goal saves percentages are above 90%. I think uh, they're actually, I'm pretty sure they're both above 0.92. These two goalies are just, it's not fair. I think to have two goalies playing at that level. So what I'll actually say is I think that, I I think that we'll see better goaltending out of this duo as the year goes on. Uh, You brought up Boston. And Boston's being, like, way more buoyed by their goaltenders, where Jeremy Swayman is third in the league and goal saved above expected uh, through seven games. 
Like, Aiden Hill, who's been very good, and obviously he's coming off the cup run that was insane, but he's 17th ranked in the league and goal saved above expected. Like, it's a team that still has improvements that could be made. And I feel like the, you know, I almost, I'm like, I'm borderline going to call it a cup hangover, but like the cup hangover this team is dealing with is their like defensive effort where the Bruce Cassidy system is like no high impact shots, nothing where people are getting to the, the slot and um, getting to tips and, and anything like that. But Vegas isn't like playing out of their mind on expected goal percent. Like I do feel like they have a little bit of a cup hangover with defensive effort. And once the Bruce Cassidy system kicks in a little bit more, and, and everyone settles down and gets into the rhythm of the season, I think we could see them get even better. Yeah, and it, it depends if you're someone who is very, if you're outpacing your expected statistics, that it is a sign regression will come. But despite what their expected goal per- percentage is, they are six in the league for actual goal percentage. A big part of that being how well their goalies are playing. They're still... I think, what is it, second in the league in goals four right now? Fifth, but you still get the point. They're putting the puck in the net. I think the, the Bruce Cassidy system can ask a lot of defenders, and that cup run they went through was hellacious. As they as the season goes on, they'll get, I think they'll get their legs back underneath them, and they'll really get going. Uh, so people, both you and I agree on that. Like I think that this team yeah. still has a, a level or two to go up, and they haven't lost a fucking game in regulation yet. No. Like, it, it feels like they're, they're uh, a notch below. And I've watched a solid amount of Boston so far the year. And, like, Boston's good, but Boston is playing at their 99th percentile outcome right now. Like, they're getting great play out of their, like, 24-year-old second-line center who came in to replace Patrice Bergeron. And they're getting great play out of these, like, rookies and second-year players on their blue line. Vegas, it feels like they're at, like, their, what? 60th percentile outcome right now? 65th percentile outcome? Like, they have so much room that they could improve as the season goes on. Exactly. And the the Bruins obviously lost a lot in the offseason, so that's going to make it harder for the offensive production. They do have still a very good blue line, which I'm a a big fan of. But people get... And Brad Marchand, so... Fuck him. Get the bet slips in now. Vegas is still plus 1,000 to win back-to-back ships. They're plus 450 to win the West. Real, they're real competition, and I think this, everybody would agree at this point in the year how teams are looked. Avs and Stars. Oh, and I, the Kings are very frisky to be in that category. But other teams, like the god-awful Edmonton Oilers, are out of the picture as of right now. Get these Avs tickets in, or these Knights tickets in. Yeah, their, their opening number on their Stanley Cup odds was way too low to begin with. I mean, they were like the sixth or seventh ranked team. And then they've come in. They're just stacked, man. I mean, Eichel has been phenomenal. Mark Stone has been phenomenal. The goaltending duo has been good, but can get better. Marcia Show has been phenomenal. Barbashev. It's just like, I mean, even while Bill Carlson really back in the fucking mix, man. I, yeah, it's I just, said- it's wild. Wild. How good this team could potentially be come playoff time. Yeah, and I mentioned it earlier about my my priors, but when we did our NHL over under and season prediction pod, I said these lot these odds are too low for the Knights. 
this team somehow, even though there was so much talk about, uh, probably gonna lose this guy, probably gonna lose that guy. They didn't lose anything substantial. They're bringing, they brought back a championship squad. What are we even doing here? People. They did lose Evgeny Dodonov. Yeah. One notable loss. I'm sure they had more than that. I just like, you know, a couple other plays, but they were way down the like the depth chart. Nothing they couldn't holes they couldn't fill. So Laurent Brassois. Yeah, he is gone. <laughs> there you go. Did that off my dome. Didn't even need nice. to Google it. Uh what? any other any <laughs> Laurent Brassois. Any other uh golden knight thoughts there, Mike? Nope. Give me your bad. Uh you want to talk about how terrible those golden helmets still are? Yeah, well your stars also have ugly jerseys, so all right, my bad is the 2017 Eastern Conference Divisional Round. My memories escapes me. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding to see if you'd have any reaction. Uh, everyone famously remembers um, one of the most impactful series of the last 412 years or whatever. Caps, pins. This is the, the year that that series went to seven games. Caps off to a 4-4 and 1 start, true 500, negative 10 goal differential through 9 games. Minus 10 through 9 games. Nicholas Backstrom this week steps away for health reasons. So far on the season, Alex Ovechkin 2 goals in 9 games, 1.6 expected goals in 47 minutes of power play time. He is second in the NHL in power play time and only has 1.6 expected goals. Mike, who's number 1 in the NHL in power play time? Oh, he's been hurt, so it can't be McDavid. So I'll say Leon Draisaitl. It is Kevin Fiala. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't have guessed it. Wouldn't uh, have guessed it. Obviously, the other half of the 2017 Eastern Conference Divisional Round, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are three six and zero, thirty three percent points percentage. They make a big trade for Eric Carlson in the offseason, and he's currently on pace for fifty four points, which isn't anything to you know sneeze at, but it would be half of what he scored last year. He's on pace for half the points after they made the move for him. They've lost four of their last five games. They're last in their division. They're all-star caliber goalie, whatever you want to rank him as. Tristan Jari is, has an 893 save percentage right now. And, you know, through all the disclaimers you want, save percentage is down this year, blah, 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 blah. 893, still not cutting it. Uh, to give the, the Penguins a little bit of a silver lining, I'm not giving the caps. The Penguins do currently lead the league and expected goals and our 18th in goal percentage. So that'll probably regress a little bit, but rough start for the caps, even a worse start for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. I, I we both went after the Penguins in the off season. This isn't going to work and nothing is few situations are to be in are worse than we're towards the bottom of the league playing bad. And we are old. <laughs> Like, there's not even a light at the end of this tunnel until we start turning things over. And I thought they should have started it. Uh, not a good early impression of what Kyle Dubas did to this team. And we both, like, Eric Carlson didn't make that team better. It was another big contract on a over 30 player that wasn't, I think, going to get them any closer to a Stanley Cup. So, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even going to blabber the point with any of the numbers. It, it, I think it's something we saw coming, and I, I don't know why more people didn't see it coming. I think that this one, I think the Pittsburgh take will look bad in a few months. I think that they have, they have a really high expected goals and not a lot of goals, and a really low expected goals against, but a ton of goals against. 
So I think we could see this number kind of start returning to look a bit, little bit more normal. But you're not wrong. They're off to a bad start, and they are old. And they're so far out of the playoff race right now. They have to gain so much ground. I mean, they're... Here, I can I can pull up their playoff odds on Money Puck real quick. Yeah, and while you're doing that, I believe I heard it mentioned on the PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich that they're, they're definitely at the oldest average age team in the NHL. And I don't remember the number, but there's like a massive gap between them and number 31. They currently, according to money puck, 43.1% chance of making the playoffs. If they lose their next game in regulation, that plummets to 36%. It's, it's not looking good. Every situation right now for the pins is dire. And maybe maybe we should give them kind of the, the Patriots treatment or, or whatever team you want to name, where you just kind of got to let Bill Belichick ride off in the sunset. He did so much for your franchise. It's fine to tank for a few years. Like the end of the Kobe era Lakers. Maybe it's just, this is the end of Sid's career. Let him go out there and have a good time. Let him talk it up with Connor Bedard and be boring on interviews and all the things you expect out of Sidney Crosby. They and, have, and just don't win games. They have hung on to... They've stuck with the core of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, probably three to four years longer than they should have. I mean, this was definitely like the third straight year of talks of, is it time to break that up and move on and start rebuilding and reloading this team? And once again, I mean, they're like a racehorse that their owner refuses to take out of the rotation. Take them off the track. Let them go to the farm and live a peaceful life. Yeah. And it was like three years ago where it looked like they were going to walk and then for whatever reason they re-signed all the big names to like a, a pretty extensive contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just so we don't, you know, get too far off it. I just do want to note back on the, the caps here that as of right now, the caps currently have 19.1% chance to make the playoffs. Their underlying numbers are so bad. I mean, they, like I said, they're true 500 right now, but their underlying numbers are fucking terrible. And that's another team where it's just, let, at least this team realizes that they're riding off into the sunset, right? They're not making moves for Eric Carlson. They're saying, you know what? Ovechkin got us our cup. Ovechkin wants to break the Gretzky record. Ovechkin made this franchise relevant for the first time in its history. If he wants to be old and drink and play 47 minutes of power play time, fucking let him. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was, no, it was real quick. The, and you kind of mentioned it, like they knew. This was expected of the Caps. People were still trying to lie to themselves and think Pittsburgh could get like make a deep playoff run. Unacceptable. Uh, Unacceptable. Currently, currently four point five percent chance to win the Cup according to Money Puck, which uh, puts them above Boston. Don't know if their underlying numbers are that good, but whatever you say, Money Puck. Whatever you say. All right, Mike. You want to give me your bad? Yeah, I'm trying to decide. Which of these two I want to go bad, where I want to go ugly. All right, I'll go bad with, and it's the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> but man, are the San Jose Sharks bad? Oh, that's my ugly. <laughs> okay. G- they give are... me your other bad. Give me your other bad. We'll, we'll cover the Sharks under ugly. Well, my other team's going to be my ugly. Yeah. All right, well, so I'll, we... flip, I'll flip it. Yeah, flip, flip them. It. I get what you're saying. Uh, another low-hanging fruit. 
Edmonton Oilers. Nine games in, they have a whopping five points on the season. McDavid's been hurt. They've literally, we mentioned on last week, they've just been McDavid and Dreisaitl and trying to figure it out. The goaltending, that's Stuart. Stuart? Stuart? I meant to say Stuart. Skinner gave him last year is not a thing this year. Jack Campbell is Jack Campbell. And they have no, no, they still have a defense. And I'm stuck in this time loop, this groundhog day of saying the same things about him every year. They currently, per usual, have the 10th best power play percentage. They've scored 18 power play goals. That is the most in the league. They are, did I say 10th best? No, 5th best. I said 5th yeah, best, said, right? Yeah, best. At, at 10.71%. That's where I got confused. If you go over to their expected goals for, uh, in just all situations even, including what they do with the power play, they are all the way down at, dear God, where are they? Oh, I'm looking at the wrong tab. I'm sorry. They are all the way down at number 25. This is such a lopsided team. and that, that I'm sorry, that's on five on five. So it just shows the disparity between what they can do on power play and on five on five. So unless they start going caps route and having guys flopping and doing whatever they can to get on the power play, this team isn't going to win games. I'm going to go as far. I don't know. Last year, they looked rough. They turned around. Some of their trade deadline acquisitions worked out. Everybody was like, oh, Edmonton, they're going to come back next year. They're going to be in the mix for, for the Western Conference. And I was a little more bearish on it. That I used that right, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Bullish means like I'm buying the stock, I believe. Something Diamond like hands. Diamond fucking hands. And I was quick to say we all need to settle down. And the worst part about it is Drysaddle said it in the offseason. It was Drysaddle McDavid. It was like this core. Yeah, this core is either going to win a cup in the next two years or it's going to be blown up. I will be shocked. Maybe I shouldn't say shocked. I'm betting McDavid's gone. Trade to San Jose, I hear. I don't know where he'll go. It's probably going to suck when he goes to like another staple Canadian Toronto. conference, like Toronto or, ooh, him with some of the young pieces in Montreal. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Let's make that happen. Like to have, Although he doesn't speak French, so. I to have I David, David and Suzuki, top two centers. I could, I could kind of fuck with that. Vancouver cool. for JT or JT Miller for uh for McDavid who says no. I say no. Yeah. yeah, the Edmonton Oilers once again find themselves in a bad start to the season. Yeah, worth noting their expected goals differential is only they like they do have a positive expected goals differential but it's only uh half of a goal, which is not a substantial difference because their defense is very bad, especially on a team with Connor McDavid. On a team with Connor McDavid, you should be fielding the ice with Connor McDavid and then a bunch of people who just get in the way of shots sometimes, and you'll be fine. Like this. And now we're even getting to the point where the whole, the, the, the underlying numbers ha- have shown enough or people are just getting bored on Twitter or something. But now the takes have started to be actually, Matthias Eckholm was a bad addition to this team. Say what? And Jack Campbell is like playing like kind of okay. And this team's still getting fucking dog walked day after day the mcdavid injury even put them like further in a hole i think he only missed one or two games but it doesn't fucking help when your team can't win and we're starting to reach the point of no return like how many games 
left until you start to worry if the if the Oilers don't turn this around? How many how many games left until you start to worry that the Oilers just aren't going to be able to do it this year? I mean, if they get to the like the twenty like around that quarter way to the mark of the season, and this is the still the situation, they are going to be in a hole that they're not going to be able to dig out of, or it's going to take an unbelievable effort for them to dig out of. Yeah, five points out of nine games. Unacceptable. We're we're like two or three weeks away from saying Edmonton's going to miss the playoffs. It, yeah, it is. It is as crazy as that sounds. It's rapidly approaching there. And you know what the crazy part is? Like, it, maybe they're just getting some bad puck luck. Shooting percentages just aren't there. This team is second in high danger shots four, but they're also fourth lowest for high danger shots against. Like, how can you give up the fourth lowest high danger shots and, and still be getting your ass kicked? Yeah, and like Stuart Skinner's been bad, but Campbell's been okay. So you can't say bad goalie play. Yeah. Uh, just worth noting before we move on to the to our combined ugly here, we're gonna mush our uglies. Uh, some might say we're gonna bump our uglies. Um, <laughs> nothing for that. I didn't even get a chuckle. All right. Chuckled. <laughs> uh, Oilers currently lower points percentage than Chicago. Nashville, Minnesota, Seattle, Ottawa, Buffalo. And and to go back to their, real quick, their blue line that I keep shit-talking. So this team leads, they lead the league, 92 giveaways. But don't worry, in the defensive zone, they're second, second most in the league at 59 defensive giveaways. They don't have the defensive talent to go in there and, and try to play any kind of like man defense. They're getting beat. They're going to get beat on the boards in all these situations where they're just give, they're coughing the puck up. So even if you're not giving away those chances at some point, it, it just becomes a matter of keep throwing it at the net. All right, Mike, let's, uh, let's bump some uglies here. We both have yeah. the same ugly for this. San Jose Sharks are in my, my time watching hockey, maybe the worst hockey team I've ever watched. I mean, I do think they're worse than those Arizona teams from a couple seasons ago. Uh, they're currently winless, 10 games into the season. I'm starting to think they're going to miss the playoffs, kind of like Edmonton. They are 0-9-1. They are on a 45-point pace. Earlier this week, they lost 10-1 to to Vancouver. 10 points, largest home loss in San Jose history. 40.64 expected goals percent, which is by far dead last. McKenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen both have a positive goal save above expected, and the team is still a minus 22 at even strength goals. They've scored. Mike, do you, I don't know if you have this number in front of you. Give me your best guess. How many goals do you think San Jose has scored at even strength? Through, Through 10 games. Four? Five? Six. Six. Okay, sorry. I gave him, I should have given him more credit. They also, somehow, with how terrible they are playing, and the adage of just get out of there alive that hockey loves they lead the league in penalties oh no yeah, this, this team's new levels of bad like you said i don't i think they are definitely worse than the coyotes um i took their points under because i was like their points under was still really low and i was like no they are even worse no one could name a single member of their defensive unit i, I don't know how many forwards they could even mention 
so if you ever go to money puck and look at their advanced stats there's like a color coding system if you're white that means that number is low so it's not good compared to the rest of the league if it's blue that means it's really high compared to other members of the league if you pull up their offensive lines they are all in white for expected goals for if you pull up all their defensive units they're all in not light blue dark blue at expected goals against they're not part of me wants to give them credit like if you're gonna tank fucking tank and they are tanking like maybe mike gm mike greer former buffalo saber uh is going full process. But I I still wait for the Thomas Hurdle trade for whatever people will give for him in the later stages of his career. Uh, I wonder if they decide to flip Duke again, Anthony Duclair, who they acquired in the offseason from Florida. Poor Duke. He went from like the fun vibes of that playoff run. They're like, yeah, we got to cut a little cap. You're going to San Jose. <laughs> like, poor dude. They traded away Eric Carlson, and this team completely collapsed. Yeah, they couldn't have him stealing a couple of games for them. They could, Let me they ask you this, risk Mike. It. Do you know who currently leads the San Jose Sharks in goals? Nah, like Barbanov? Fabian Zetterland. Ah, I almost said, I swear I almost said Zetterland. In the last second, I was like, yeah, go Barbie. Household name. Fabian Zetterland. Everyone's Fabian. favorite Swede? Is that Swedish? Zetterlund sounds some sort of Swedish or Finnish. Zavian Zetterlund. Zetterlund. Yeah. You almost you almost can't find enough entertaining stats about how bad San Jose is. We are 10 games into the season for most teams. They currently have a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs. 10 games in. 72 games left to play. 0.2% chance of making the playoffs. They have a 17.65% goal share. The second lowest is the Caps at 32.26. It's a 15% difference in expected goal share to help explain just how bad this team is. Uh, I mean, while we're playing the the game of let's name some fun things, Mackenzie Blackwood currently has an expected goals against of 25.44 through seven games. Wait, expected goals against of... 25.44 yeah through seven Over three games. a game Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. yeah and then obviously the the low-hanging fruit statistic here league low as you mentioned five on five six goals for league high and five on five goals against a 28 22 negative, goal differential negative 22 goal differential that's impressive to be 10 games into the season and already have a goal differential of over two a game. Hats off, Sharks. You're tanking like no one's tanked before. You've got busted out the submarine, and you were going down the Mariana Trench. Um, if you took away their nine-point loss, or their nine-goal loss to Vancouver this week, that would only drop them to second in goal differential behind Calgary. If you spotted them nine goals, it only moves them up one spot in the goal differential rankings. Like, honestly, we should start a separate podcast spinoff of this that is just San Jose statistics for how bad they are. I, funny you mentioned Calgary because they almost were my ugly. But 
they were in that they fell in that area of this team's bad and so like blah i don't even want to talk about them yeah like they don't even matter at least at least when you talk about uh, San Jose, it's fun to talk about how historically bad this team is. You are talking earlier about how you root for excellence. Mm-hmm. This is excellence in tanking. You kind of have to to just enjoy the show. Absolutely. If, if you're like a guy who, if you're a tanker titles guy, you'll love the tank. you love the tank. you love the fact that overall they have a 35 goal differential. <laughs> the next lowest is 16, which is held by the Calgary Flames. The Flames are kind of similar to the the Wild in that they are in a bad situation and have very few avenues of how to get out of it. So the ugly definitely applies to them. I just didn't really want to talk about them. I got to talk about the Wild, but I just talk about Kirill Kaprizov the whole time. Yeah, I was kind of high on Calgary going into the season. A little embarrassed about that. All right, Mike, any other uh, any other hockey thoughts? Any other quick things you want to get off your chest yeah. here? I have to give you credit. I didn't see it, but the Vancouver Canucks are off to a great start to the season and looking like a playoff team. If it wasn't for how good Dallas has been playing, Vancouver would have had to be my good because now I'm the Vancouver guy. Yeah, I mean, who thought? Like, you look at that division, you have Vegas, Edmonton, Seattle, LA, all playoff teams last year. Vancouver, second in the division right now. Like, you, mad props to you for foreseeing that. I'll be I'll be curious to see where it is in a few weeks. We might have to do like a Vancouver check-in in like two or three weeks because their their shooting percentage is high and their expected goal differential is is lower than their actual goal differential. So it might start to regress, but I've enjoyed the me saying Vancouver is going to be good and then Vancouver being good. That's been a lot of fun. And they've held on to avoid the regression much longer than the Ottawa Senators. To take one last shot. All right, Mike, you, wanna, you got any plugs? Anything you want to you wanna bring up here before we get out of here? Yeah, check it out. Dropped a hefty on Saturday, yesterday. Still worth the read, even though our college football uh, day has started. I threw the uh, four screen up over here on the TV. One of my bets was all spreading Texas to minus six and a half, and they're currently up 17 nothing, like late in the second quarter. So. And we don't need to talk about your betting percentage. So just revel. In the uh, in the the potential Texas win, and uh, that's all we really need to talk about here today. Um, yeah. Be sure to check out our Talent podcast. We had one come out yesterday. We'll have another one on Monday. That's covering football, and then we'll be back here next Saturday for another episode of Basky, uh, probably with less topics on the rundown because we're really buttoned up against our time limits on these. Yeah, close to two hours today. Well, yeah, we got and, six minute break in there, so and we started a little late, so that's really an hour and a half once again. Uh, besides that, be sure to check out talentalone.com. We got all the best articles on the websites. Um, it's better than porn. Some people have been saying. And follow us on Twitter at talentalonemike, talentalonadam. Uh, you can email us at talentalonepod at gmail All that will be in the show notes below. Do we have an outro for this? We did an outro once, and now I don't remember what the outro was. Chet Holmgrim for MVP. Jesus fucking Christ.